everyone, and welcome to the show. This is episode number 72 of Pop Culturally Deprived, and today we're going to be talking about parenthood on your Hubba Hubba podcast. I'm Mandy Kay. And I'm Matthew Vose. It makes it sound like we're some kind of advice podcast. This week we're talking about parenthood. Next week, buying your first car. <laughs> it really kind of does. <laughs> I almost said the 1989 movie Parenthood just... <sighs> To alleviate that, but it's yeah. kind of funny. So, <laughs> yes. Um, Ask us your questions about parenthood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We we have an email from Sarah. She's asking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I could make up something and it would probably offend someone. So, you know. Sorry, Sarah. Yeah. Not going to read your question. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, what do we want to say up front? We wanted to ask everyone. You know, other podcasts, they're always like, hey, rate and review on apple podcasts and that's really good we don't want you to rate and review rate and review is not as good as everyone says it is we want you to subscribe because subscribing is awesome and we want you to tell a friend go and tell people like oh hey you like movies and you like discovering new movies and here's people talking about movies and they're really interesting like really interesting these guys are so interesting go and tell your friends and then i'll tell you what's really useful this is probably the thing you can do to us that's going to be the most useful the, the the podcast you listen to, like people listen to us, they listen to How Did This Get Made, Movie Crush, all those other movie podcasts, uh, Wittertainment, unsubscribe from them. Take them off your podcast lap, app Matthew. and make sure we're the only ones you subscribe to and that'll move <laughs> us up the charts. That is what we're after today. <laughs> Disclaimer, do not do anything Matthew just said, except actually subscribe to us. <laughs> I'm coming for you, Mark Commode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now that the humor's out of the way for today. <laughs> yeah, let's be serious. <laughs> Parenthood. 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 Mandy, why have you never seen Parenthood? Oh my God. I didn't even know this movie existed. And I have to tell you, I'm really sad about that. <laughs> um, I loved the series the parenthood series that was on nbc for six seasons okay loved it and i vaguely knew that it was kind of based on a movie from a long time ago but other than that i didn't really know anything about it and i had no idea that there was the steve martin movie that had all of these amazing people in it that was just like this family comedy drama thing mm. and man i wish i knew because yeah this is right up my alley nice but not to spoil the conversation <laughs> sure <laughs> um th this is except for well not not even except for a little shop th this is our first proper steve martin film because he starred yes. in a lot of films for in in over a fairly short period so this is the first one that we're hitting up i think mm -hmm. but it will not be the last no definitely not the last i'm a huge fan i love steve martin films uh, because he does these uh, normal film non-genre films perhaps he doesn't go to action, fantasy, sci-fi, anything like that. He just does modern dramas. So they're always quite fun and quite accessible. They are. They really are. And just for the sake of like modern relevance, Steve Martin was on Jimmy Fallon last night. Okay. Or the night before with Martin Short. Oh, they've got a Netflix thing hilarious. coming, haven't they? They do. Mm. Um, and, and so I, I just watched a clip of, of them doing one of Jimmy's challenges or whatever and i have to say steve martin does not age he looks exactly the same now as he did in 1989 okay <laughs> i mean he does or at least he did in that video clip i mean the, the, there was something like eight nine years ago neil uh, he presented an award for something oscars or baftas or grammy or something and i remember seeing him and going whoa he's had some work done so I don't know if it's just sort of settled now and he looks the same again, but... Maybe. There was a period he looked very different. <laughs> okay. No, he looks exactly the same to me, and it was okay. bizarre. So, all right. Parenthood. Parenthood is a 1989 family dramedy starring an all-star cast of Steve Martin, Mary Steenburgen, Rick Moranis, Keanu Reeves, Martha Plimpton, Diane Weist, and Joaquin Phoenix. Lee. The film is... Lee Phoenix. You're right. He was credited as Lee Phoenix in this movie. That was his chosen name, and then he returned to whacking. I know. I, I was so confused. I, I have a whole story about that. 
um, okay. when I was watching this movie. But um, the film is largely based on the family and parenting experiences of the director and screenwriters Ron Howard, Lowell Gantz, and Babalu Mandel, as well as producer Brian Grazer. The four of them have at least 17 children between them. Holy moly. Mm, Catholic families. opening number one the film eventually grossed over 126 million dollars with a 20 million dollar budget it was nominated for two academy awards best supporting actress for diane wiest and best song for randy newman's i love to see you smile two television series adaptations were spawned the first in 1990 was canceled after only a season but the second in 2010 ran for six seasons and was amazing Okay, so so how close is it? What are the differences to the TV series? Because I'm not sure it's ever really aired over here. It's very different. Um, I mean, the name is different. In the TV series, they're the Bravermans and not the Buckmans. There are more people in the family. um, But it it is... The spirit of it is the same. It is very much following just the life of this one family. Okay. Um, So, like, my, my synopsis of the movie is this movie is a glimpse into the chaotic life of the Buckman family. And that's exactly what the TV series is. It's a glimpse into the chaotic life of the Braverman family. Okay. Um, there, there are a few similarities like um, the Larry character in the movie is played by Dax Shepard in the TV show. Mm. And, but he's not like, this horrible going to take advantage of his dad kind of character but he is very immature doesn't settle down but he does end up showing up with a kid you know so there are some similarities and it is about a family a very large family and their struggles but it's it's different enough that if you didn't really know they were the same, if they didn't have the same name, you probably wouldn't link them together. Okay. Is it was it an hour long, a half hour show? Hour long. Okay. It's fantastic. If you if like if it shows up on Netflix or anything, you should give it a shot because it okay. also has an amazing cast. Mm. Um Craig T. Nelson plays the patriarch of the family. Lauren Graham is in it. Mae Whitman is in it. Dak Shepard. It's pretty fantastic. Okay. It, it sounds like it's kind of modern family without the uh, more of a drama and, and but no concept to it. It is just yeah. this is a family. We're not doing like, oh, what are all the variations on family or, you know, married with children and it's a difficult home life or something. Yeah. I mean, they, they do because like Lauren Graham's character, she's a single mom with two kids. And so they, they deal with that struggle. Um, her brother has a, a kid, he has multiple kids, but one of them has um, Asperger's syndrome. And so they, they deal with that. Okay. Um, and then you've got the immature younger brother who comes in and like freeloads on everybody. So they, they do kind of deal with like the various stages and difficulties of family. Just without that super comedic aspect that you would get in modern family. Got it. Okay. Sorry, don't mean to derail us, but... No, it's fine, because it's a fantastic show, and I love it, and I really like this movie, too. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert. <laughs> um, okay, how were you able to watch the film? Unfortunately, it is only available to rent here. Um, it was not on Netflix or Hulu or anything else, so Amazon it is. Yeah, exa- how about you? Exactly the same. Had to rent it on yeah. Amazon. Yeah. A, li- a little surprising, but actually looking around, there's not a huge amount of Steve Martin's back catalogue available, so I don't know if that's something to do with the directors he worked with and the studio system at the time. Interesting. I wonder if that'll change at all, since he does have this new Netflix special mm. coming out. Yeah. Well, Probably not, like, really but maybe. To it. Um, like you say, a big ensemble. What's your experience of the main characters in it, the main um, cast? Can I just tell you how excited I was when I was watching? <laughs> because and this is a movie, it was still in that, you know, it, it tells you up front who the cast is. And I'm mm. sitting here reading the names and I'm like, I know who that person is. I know who that person is. Oh my gosh, I know who all these people are. <laughs> that never happens to me. Um, so yeah, Steve Martin, 
I haven't seen as much as I thought I would have, which we have previously talked about because he was on Little Shop of Horrors. So I've obviously seen that now. Mm. Um, I've seen the Father of the Bride movies. I've seen both of the Cheaper by the Dozen movies. And then I'm aware of him just in general pop culture right. because he's Steve Martin. And and did you know he does have a line in this of like, let's let's just have a dozen. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you will. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. The first one of those, genuinely good film. I I think I saw it on a plane and did not expect anything. Really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Mm. I really loved the books as a kid. Okay. And so when I saw that they made the movie, I was interested. And it's different enough from the books, but it was was good. Right. Yeah. Okay. Steve Martin does family drama really well. Mm. Like, he's known as a comedian, but he does this family comedy just exceptionally well. Yeah. Um, Mary Steenburgen, she's always going to be the mom on Joan of Arcadia to me. Okay. But then she's also the mom on Elf. And she's Pornstache's mom on Orange is the New Black. Apparently, she plays moms. Yes. And she was, I think, the social worker in Powder, which I have seen, but it's been a long time. Okay. Yeah. uh, Back to the Future 3 is, I think, my introduction to her. Um, But I think she was also in, I want to say Independence Day. Is that someone else? She was not an Independence Day. Okay. I just watched that last week. The the president's wife is someone similar to her. I put in the same sort of yes. acting category. She is the... I God, I cannot think of the actress's name, but she was the president on Battlestar Galactica. Yes. That's her. Mm. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. This is the second movie we've done that starred both Steve Martin and Rick Moranis. Um, so Little Shop of Horrors. Mm-hmm. We've done Ghostbusters one and two, so he he was in those. He's also the dad in the Honey I Shrunk the Kids franchise. So that's mostly my experience of him, other than just he's that guy that I recognize when I see his face. Yeah, a very Rick Moranis role in this one. Interesting. I think this is a very different role for him than okay. anything else he ever did. Right. Okay. <laughs> we'll pick up on that. Um, Diane Weiss, she's in Footloose, the original Footloose, uh, Practical Magic, Edward Scissorhands, and she has, she's done a lot of, like, guest spots on TV, and so she just has one of those faces that I always recognize, mm-hmm. but I can't specifically say, oh, yeah, she was on Law & Order or Grey's Anatomy, you know, everybody's on one of those. <laughs> Another Keanu Reeves movie, because we just talked about Bill mm-hmm. & Ted, um, and again, Speed, The Lake House, The Matrix, The Walk in the Clouds. You know, he's done a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Um, Martha Plimpton was funny. I recognized her name, but I could not put a face to it. So when I looked it up and I saw her face, I was like, oh, yeah, of course I know who she is. And then I started looking at the stuff that she's done. And she was the mom in Racing Hope. And apparently she was also in The Goonies. So she's just familiar to me. Like, I recognize her face. Right. And last but not least, we have Mr. Joaquin a.k.a. Leaf Phoenix. (laughs) I first became aware of Joaquin Phoenix with the movie Inventing the Abbots back when I was in high school, Mm -hmm. um, which seems to be the movie that kind of relaunched his career. He took a break for a little while. And then after that, he's done some really good stuff. He did Signs. He played Johnny Cash in Walk the Line. He was in Gladiator, The Village, Ladder 49, which absolutely makes me cry like a baby. He's done some really good stuff yeah before he kind of disappeared in obscurity again and then he's doing all this new stuff that i just haven't been able to see yet Mm, he's having a bit of a resurgence yeah Mm. i really want to see her haven't seen it yet okay (laughs) 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 okay maybe not um on your list you've not included thomas hulse who played larry that's because I didn't recognize his name. Okay. So I figured I probably haven't seen him. Uh, he's the voice of Quasimodo in The Hunchback of Notre Dame. I've not seen it. Oh. Mm. A Disney and you've not seen it? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's really strange. Since watching this when I was growing up, when I first saw this, and then watching it this time, I have seen Amadeus, and he was Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. And I was oh, watching okay. this for 10, 20 minutes, like, I know this guy, and I know this guy from around this time, and I cannot think of what film it was. And I had to look it up in the end. It's like, <gasps> he was Mozart. <laughs> I was very pleased to realize that. Okay, yeah. I Apparently he was in Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, which I have seen, but I don't remember. Huh, interesting. Yeah, not super familiar to me. 
Amadeus is worth watching, though. That's a good film. Okay. Although apparently it was going to be, because it was, I think it was based on a stage production, and it was going to be Mark Hamill, and I would love to see Mark Hamill do that part. Oh, But they, yeah. they then cast this guy instead. And, and like, you can see how similar they are uh, yeah. as actors and looks, so. Anyway, I'm getting distracted again. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of good stuff happening with this movie. It's got a fantastic cast. Mm. Like a shockingly fantastic cast. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that was part of its drawing power. I didn't, I, I don't think I'd describe it as a Steve Martin vehicle like a lot of his films were. This was actually a proper ensemble. He's just the biggest name mm-hmm. of the time. Right. I, I found it fairly hard thinking of other things this was similar to. You've actually uh, come up with a good list, but there's nothing else I can think of that is this kind of, there's no concept around it. There's no situation that it's in. This is literally a short period talking about right. parenthood. <laughs> no. That's exactly. It, it starts, you know, it covers a year or it starts and ends with a significant thing. Yeah, I was trying to think. Like, I tried to, like, kind of take a high level view of this. Yes, this movie is about parenthood specifically i mean that's what it's called but it, mm. it's it's a movie about a family yeah like it's telling the story of a family and so i started thinking of other movies that do that and and i kind of you know some of the ones i have listed here are stretch but I, i've seen dan in real life which i think is probably the closest to mm. this that i could come up with um cheaper by the dozen it's another steve martin family mm-hmm. comedy drama um, Mrs. Doubtfire does something very similar when you think about how it's focusing on the father and how the father is relating to the children. Yeah. And then you've got movies like Elf, Christmas Vacation, Meet the Parents. I threw Mary Poppins in because it kind of is a family movie. But just, you know, these are all movies I've seen and these are all movies that focus specifically on a family. Like the point of the movie is the family, not what the family is doing. Mm. Um, and, and I've seen a lot of these kinds of movies because this movie was made specifically to delight me. This is like <laughs> my genre of movie. One of them. I love family. Like I love the show Parenthood. There was a, another similar television show several years back called Brothers and Sisters. Mm. Same kind of thing. Starred Sally Field and, um, Joel Grey. We're both in it. And it was fantastic. And literally all it is, is this family drama. It's just let's watch this family exist for an hour every week. And Mm. that is what I like. And so, yes. Did I enjoy this movie? You haven't asked me that yet. But yes, yes, (laughs) I did. (laughs) And I enjoy movies just like it. So this was a good week for me. One, two. uh, You've just triggered a memory. Um, Have you seen Little Miss Sunshine? I have not. Okay. I forgot. I, I remember the title. Like, the title sounds familiar to me, but I've not seen it. Hmm. That's one to put on your list, I think. I think that's a nice film. Anyway, okay. Parenthood. Parenthood. Is it just the situation of families caring for each other? Was there anything in this one that made you enjoy this so much? Uh, well, I think it's it's just the, the... It's a big family. It's watching this family interact with each other. It's watching... The love they have for each other. You get to see the frustration and the irritation and the conflict. But at the end of the day, they're family. And they love each other. And you get that. And that is specifically the piece that I am drawn to. Hmm. Um, Another movie that's similar to this is The Family Stone. And I love it for exactly the same reason. I, I watch these movies and I look at them and I always come out of them feeling like I wish I had a big family. Because I am essentially an only child who came from a broken home. I never in my life experienced anything like what you see in this movie. And I've always wanted it. I've always wanted to be surrounded by people who I could count on, who had to love me because we're family. And it's just not something I ever get. And so whenever I watch it in a movie, I'm living vicariously the fantasy that I always wished I had. Does that make sense? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I get out of these movies, because I was a sad, lonely, only child <laughs> who didn't even have, like, the mom and the dad. Okay, that's <laughs> that's about 20 minutes. So if you had that as a bet for when one of us would mention our own childhoods or families. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, there is a big ensemble in this. There are a lot of characters, a lot of situations. Was there anyone in particular that you identified with or rooted for, uh, either from like your own childhood experiences or as an adult that you like see yourself now in or something? Oh, that's a tough question. Really, I think the way they did this movie was they kind of made each character kind of stereotypical. Just because in trying to get all of the different family dynamics in a movie, it's easier to write one character as this one thing and another character as this other thing. And so you've got Gil, who's the businessman, you know, and you've got the the slacker who was Larry saying, I don't ever want to be like Gil. You know, they're very polar opposites. And in real life, there are people like that, but generally you're going to have a mix of qualities. And so it's harder to say, yes, I identify with a single character because people are layered. People are an amalgam, if you will. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but I think the qualities that I relate to the most are Susan, who was Rick Moranis' wife. Mm-hmm. She has spent her whole married life trying so hard to be what he wants her to be instead of who she really is to the point that she has a shoebox of snack food hidden in her closet. She is a grown woman living in her own house and she's hiding food from her husband. Mm. I see bits of myself in that more in the past than now because I, I have grown as a human being and as a person, but I have always been a people pleaser. And that's what I see in her. But she also grows. You know, she gets the confidence and the strength to leave him when she realizes this isn't working. And then, of course, they work it out happily ever after. It's movie, whatever. I also do see myself, or at least I want to see myself, in Helen, which is Diane Weiss's character. Because even though she was a little bit frustrating at times, she was such a strong woman. You know, she was taking care of her family. She was doing the best that she could. And then when her own daughter was struggling, she stepped up to be her mom. You know, Mm. yes, of course, she channeled Joy Summers and said, if you leave, you can't come back. But as soon as she left, she ran out into the street and is hollering after. Julie, honey, honey, I'm always here if you need me. Sweetheart, honey, be careful. If you want anything, just call me. And so she's a hard ass, but she loves her kids. Yeah. And she wants what's best for her kids. And I really admire that. Um, So, yeah, I think those two are probably the two. Like, if you put the two of them together, you probably have a pretty close representation of who I see myself as or who I want to see myself as. Okay. And there's none of the children that you're like, oh, yeah, I was like that. No. Because I was definitely not like Patty. (laughs) And I was definitely not like Justin. Wasn't like Kevin or Which Gary, and Justin? I don't remember any of... Justin was the one who put the bucket on his head oh, and yeah, ran yeah. into the wall repeatedly. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think I was like any of the kids. No. Okay. What about you? Ooh, it's probably Mary Steenburgen. <laughs> okay. Honestly, she was the most well-adjusted character in the whole movie. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, it's that kind of, she's very level-headed and just deals with everything that comes, which is not necessarily me um, all the time, but it's the one that I watch and go, she's at least got some level of equilibrium. Like you say, everyone else sort of yeah. tends towards some larger stereotype. Because they've got so many characters, they can break out roles. Whereas, mm-hmm. like you say, normally you might have one character actually shows several of these things in, in different interactions with people. So it makes them seem like a more fully formed character. But you'd start having people having too many plots or taking too much space. You might as well break it out into two different characters. Right. Did you see yourself in any of the children? I'm not sure. I mean, Kevin was a wonderful actor. The fact that we start off with the thing of making jokes about him making the face over and over again. But the kid actually does have a really good face when he's stressed. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, oh, that poor lad. And I don't think, you know, they use words like sensitive. And, and so on and, and it might be now we'd be talking about somewhere on a spectrum and, and uh, further diagnosis maybe but I, I feel like maybe there was that just adjusting to dealing with the world around you as you grow up yeah yeah but yeah, I suspect that's also a thing most kids feel so who knows okay Rick Rennes and 
his wife. It's terrible. I can never remember the the characters' names. Uh, Susan. His wife's name was Susan. Susan. His name was Nathan, and his wife's name okay, was Susan. Okay, Susan. So played by Harley Kozak. There's a few interesting things in that story. So you wanted to have a conversation about Rick Moranis? Yeah, I think this is a departure from any other character he's ever played. Mm. Because every other time we've seen him, he's been this kind of timid, nervous, nerdy man-child. Okay. You know, he was like that in Ghostbusters, although he did improve in Ghostbusters too. He had some character growth, but he was still very much like that, especially when you consider how nervous he was around Janine right before they started their shenanigans on the couch. He usually plays the very caricature of a nerd. Okay. And that's yeah. not what he was in this movie at all. Okay. I mean, yes, he had his mannerisms in I don't know the best way to say this. It's, it's not mannerisms, but the way he interacted with his child and the way he was pushing her, this five-year-old child, <laughs> you know, and having her memorize the periodic table and, and not wanting her to hang out with other children because he wants her to be a genius. Those kind of fit into the nerdy stereotype just because they're smart. Like, he's really, really smart. And he wants his kids to be really, really smart. But he's also commanding. He's a little bit domineering. You know, mm. it's kind of, it has to be his way or no way at all. You know, and, and there was even a moment when when he was talking to Susan about whether or not they were going to take Patty to Mexico or not. Like, this was a great character moment and a, a great moment of acting for Rick Moranis. He's He's talking over her. And he says, well, it's just like I planned. I mean, it's just like we talked about. Gee, honey, I'm really not too pro on Patty spending a week with Gil. Why not? They offered. I'm a little concerned about his jocularity. He's a wonderful guy. He's just he's a little, you know, lighthearted about things that I that, you know, that we consider important. Like he very specifically says he knows this is his thing, but mm. he had to backtrack it and say, no, this is the thing that we decided to do together when he's talking about Patty's future and their plans for vacation and all of that stuff. Yeah. And and I feel like this is just the most unlikable we've ever seen him. Okay. I have a slightly different read on it, I would admit. Um, not that he's domineering, that he has, certainly in this situation, not the highest social IQ. So he is just... At some point, they have become very aligned about the way they treat their daughter and are bringing her up and all the decisions. So he just assumes his wife is going to go along with whatever he says, because that's the what he deems to be the best thing. And he's not necessarily able to see another person's point of view or be empathetic to them. So it's not domineering in a, I'm the man of the house, or, you know, I am I am the smarter one in this relationship. Just, this is the way things have been for several years now. So he assumes that's the way it will always be. And she she is losing out in this situation, so she wants more. I think I might agree with you if they hadn't shown the scene of her with the food. Mm. I think that's the piece that gave me the information that takes it over the top. Just because I've because of the kind of families that I grew up in, when I see something like that in my experience, it's because you have to hide it because you're not allowed to do it. Mm -hmm. And if you're not allowed to do it, then it's not something you've decided together. Yeah. Mm. And so that that's where I'm coming from on that. Yeah. I, I think I can reconcile it because it's junk food. Because yes, you can agree, oh yeah, the child should <laughs> not have junk food. It's bad for them, so we should keep them away from it. Which is a very worthy thing, but also junk food. <laughs> Sometimes it's, it is good. Sometimes it's nice to have a happy treat. So... Okay, but Patty's five. They could hide the junk food that was okay for them to eat and not for Patty to eat in a cupboard mm. that Patty can't go to. Yeah, but she hid it. Oh, she hid it from Nathan specifically yeah. by hiding it in her closet. Because because she talks about how he she even uses the phrase "took me in hand." Um, yes, and and sort of helped her get over her kind of wild lifestyle or mm -hmm. party lifestyle. It sounded like yeah. So she is now trying to please him because she has always thought he's really good for her. But maybe she's not him. So, so okay. So the the next bit that I wanted to ask about was she leaves them, which I don't think for me isn't hundred percent totally earned. But I can see it. Certainly, this conversation with you has helped me. Yeah, I, I can see it that she is not 
getting out of that relationship. So she has to go find herself. Yes. I I struggled with it a little bit mm. because she left both of them. Mm. I did not expect that at all. Um, and and I, they didn't give us enough information about that for me to really be able to speak to it other than to say that made me uncomfortable. Yeah, because it's implied she's not seeing either of them at all because he says it's affecting Patty. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Which implies she's not been back, which is... It, it's very difficult. She's obviously in a situation and trying to do what she feels is the best thing. And who knows? Until you're in that situation, yeah. Yeah, I feel like we would need to see more of that story mm. to really understand it. And we just kind of got the highlights yeah. because, the, I mean, the next part after that was he comes in and serenades her in her classroom full of high school students. Yeah, so he comes in and, and he tries and talk to her, which is very fair because clearly that's telling us there is not communication here. So he is going to her work to do this. And he decides mm-hmm. to make a big grand gesture. I can change. Mm-hmm. I can be more loving and more accepting of not being perfect all the time mm-hmm. something something along those lines i think what he's going for so he starts singing to right. her and she goes stop i can get fired and he then <laughs> serenades her for several minutes and kisses her <laughs> so, so i kind of yeah. have several problems at this point because also yeah i'm not sure that's enough <laughs> Well, honestly, okay, I have complicated feelings about it because well, I am a sucker for the grand gesture, right. um, and so the like the romance of it kind of sweeps me up a little bit, and I'm like, oh, he's singing to her, it's wonderful, and <laughs> it's oh, they're kissing, song. it's wonderful. He gave but... him the knife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but whenever you break it down into its parts, like you said, she told him to stop because she could get fired. And he pushed on, mm. you know, she kept saying no, and he would not stop until he got the reaction from her that he wanted. Mm. And that's not romantic. Yeah. At all. <laughs> I, I'm not sure she would get fired. So it's probably okay, but it is also a little weird. It is a little weird, especially, um, I mean, she actually, I think she probably could have, maybe not in 1989, but now certainly if... You know, a man, even if he's your husband, walks into your classroom full of high school students and you start making out with him at the front of this classroom, you're going to get in trouble. <laughs> you might not get fired, but you're going to get in trouble. Hey, they're different genders, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, it's complicated because I do. I like the grand gesture and the romance, but I don't like that he would not stop. Until he got the reaction he wanted. Mm. But all that being said, while I cool. don't really like the character of Nathan, I think Rick Moranis killed it. Yeah. Acting wise. Because yeah. again, this is, I think this is something different than we've ever seen him do before. He usually does very similar characters. Like even the way that he spoke was different. Okay. And I enjoyed watching it, if if not actually enjoyed the character himself. Mm. Yeah, it's hard because it is similar to some of his other roles, but not necessarily things you've seen. That's fair. So, that's fair. But he is—he is as good as he ever is, and and you can see and this is why it's it's an interesting thing. He is a very good father. He he is perhaps not quite being as measured as he should be about the you know mixing the fun with the education, but he dotes on his daughter and is doing everything for her and is in inverted commas providing for the family. Mm-hmm. So she's not leaving him on grounds of there's an affair going on or he's a terrible person or anything like that. It is it is purely her own thing that she's leaving. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it's because his whole life is Patty. Yeah. True. I mean, that's really what it is. She's not in a marriage. She's in. She's like a co babysitter almost. Mm. Yeah, that wonderful um, line about going away and getting two rooms. Which room will I be in? Oh, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Well, see, and my thought is, who's going to leave a five-year-old alone in a second hotel room? Why would you do that? Yeah, if the doors were joining. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, maybe. Okay. <laughs> she, she is a very, very grown-up five-year-old. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> she was adorable. She was. The, the youngest actors, her and Justin, were actually really good. They each had a few moments that was like, wow, that was really good. The bit where he goes to defend his sister. Um, and the bit where they're yeah. watching each other play, or, or the bit where she has to react to the thumb, things like that. 
they, these are good kids. They know what they're doing. Yeah, I I was impressed. Okay, the other families in there. Um, we've talked a little bit about Diane Weist. Uh, obviously, she's got the most, uh, not necessarily dysfunctional family, but they've got the most stories going on, I think. Yeah. Because you have the issues with the ex-husband. You have the issue, her possibly dating someone else. You have the daughter and who carries a lot of this film um, and her stories. And then you have the son, Joaquin Phoenix, who has his own thing going on. Mm-hmm. Did it work that there were so many stories for that family? I think it did, honestly, mm-hmm. because when when you're in a single parent home, it's it's hard to keep up with everything that's going on because now there's just one person who's responsible for all of this stuff instead of two people who are like partners in it. Mm. And so it did make sense to me that, you know, she, she's struggling with her own life because she is a single mom and she wants to be loved and she wants somebody in her life too. She's got these two kids who are at that age where they're just difficult anyway. I mean, I'm sorry. Teenagers are difficult. I was a difficult teenager. I am certain you were a difficult teenager. (laughs) Teenagers are just difficult. And when you've got a teenage boy who doesn't have a man in the house to teach him things, you're going to get that reclusion. And I I, th- I think it worked. And I, I think the way that she related to both of them worked really well. Mm. But that could just be because I'm biased. I don't know. My mom was a single parent for a while, so I mean, I'm an only child, so we didn't quite have those same dynamics. But... No, but you, you again, you can sort of put yourself in that position a bit. Yeah, hmm. and yeah, it, yeah it, it, it's absolutely earned that Diane Weiss, that you said earlier, was nominated for an Academy Award for this because she's terrific. She absolutely killed yeah, it. Yeah, she did a lot of heavy lifting mm. because she she had so many different emotions to deal with. You know, there there was only one bit where I struggled with her parenting just a little bit. And then I was trying to walk it back a little bit and see if, if like, it's a knee-jerk reaction or do I really feel that way? And that was when she didn't get upset at Gary at all for destroying his father's office. Right. I, I struggled with that just a little bit. Like, okay. I understand, you know, being there emotionally for him when his father has let him down again and again and again. And he's hurting. And so you have to be the supportive mom. But at the same time, he just committed serious vandalism that had, like, an actual dollar cost related to it. Mm-hmm. And he should have some consequence. Yeah, I kind of feel like she's so angry at her ex-husband. She's like, I can't be mad at you for that. <laughs> okay, maybe. I didn't even consider that. I think I think you're absolutely mm. right. But she, like you say, she has to do so much because she's not only doing a lot of the drama with her kids. And, and her own story, she's got a lot of killer lines. And, and she actually mm-hmm. gets to be funny as well. And so often in these things, uh, the women are cast as plot killers, very serious, the straight man, something like that. Obviously straight man in inverted commas again. Um, but Diane <laughs> West actually particularly gets to be quite funny and have just lines back at things that are the sorts of things Steve Martin often gets to do. And it's it's really nice to see them in the kitchen, you know, some gender stereotyping there, but putting things together and her, like, they talk about the, the ex-boyfriend, she's like, what a loser. Oh, he's in a Rolls Royce. Yeah, I was talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just love that they, they let her cuss all over the place. Mm. Like, I feel like, I feel like that was progressive for a movie of this time period. Like, I mean, this is still in the 80s. Mm. And she's a single mom, and she's running around saying, God damn it, all the time. And I loved it. Like, they gave that to her to do. Nobody else got to do that, Mm. but she did. I thought it was pretty spectacular. Yeah. And and on that, there's a lot of themes and stuff going on that the film reacts very well to. It would have been easy to write... You know, he gets the vibrator out and they're disgusted and shame her for it. (laughs) But there's no shaming. It's like, you know, you're fine. She does this thing and they're all a little bit awkward about it. But it is still treated as a, this is just a funny story that we will relate in future. Mm -hmm. They also used it to set up conflict between her and her daughter. Mm. And I had a really hard time with that that line. When her and her daughter, I cannot remember her daughter's name right now because I just want to call her Martha. (laughs) Um. But when when they're fighting and she's getting ready to move, to what to leave to go move in with Todd, um, she throws it back in her mom's face that that she has 
the battery-powered device. Mm. Well, I thought someone in this house ought to be having sex. I mean, with something that doesn't require batteries. What did you say to me? Damn it, you get back here! Open this door, God damn it, to hell! I would just like a little respect. Not a lot, just a little. Do you know why I'm having sex with machinery? Because your father left to have a party and I stayed to raise two kids. And I have no life! And completely throwing that blame on her daughter. Which, of course, we know she didn't mean it. But I thought it was Hmm. kind of a really nice moment to to take that very humorous situation that we had previously had with the whole family there to bring it back around to this very serious conflict in the family mm. and and do that callback. I thought I thought it was a really nice use of it and I I, th- I thought it was well done. Mm. Yeah, and and I think there's a follow up to that where the daughter even says uh Julie says I'm going to get out of here before we say anything we regret. She's like you're going to say something worse than the battery comment, which is kind <laughs> of joking but also kind of you you mm-hmm. can't talk to me that way. At least give me a little respect, like she's saying. And uh, it's yeah. really interesting. I didn't read it that she was kind of throwing it on the daughter. She was saying, "Look, I stayed here and looked after you, and he left." N- not saying like he left because of you or anything, but I'm the one who stayed. So you've got to give me oh, some credit for I, doing we'll things see, differently. Yeah, no, I read it the other way because they were fighting. Mm. Because she she was saying, "Well, the only reason I needed it anyway is because I had to take care of you, and your father left me." Mm. And maybe again, maybe that's our own personal experiences and biases determining how we read that scene. Yeah, yeah, yes. I want to be very, very generous to her. It's like, oh, she's so funny, and she's actually quite strong through all this. She's the one who is. She's got her head screwed on about the way to treat her children. I mean, she doesn't quite get mm-hmm. how to do it, but she is. I'll do anything for you. She's so trying. I'm yeah. not going to over discipline you or spoil you or anything. I'm just going to be here. Yeah, well, and I mean, they they follow that scene up directly by Julie leaving and she runs out into the street like, if you need anything, I'm always here. You know, all of a sudden it's very syrupy sweet. She's like, oh, shit, my daughter's actually leaving. I need her to know that I'm here for her. Um, And and I think that's realistic. I think mm -hmm. you fight and you're angry, but you still love somebody and you have to figure out how to balance that. And I think that's what they were trying to show. Yeah. Totally agree. God, I love this movie. And and so, almost the last point on on this family, I think, I wanted to mention the bit where the the son Gary wants to go and live with his father. So she actually gives him the work number, and he calls, and the father lets him down. And it's played a little bit like she's saying, "Okay, you can go and live with him," without expecting the father to turn it down. But when the whole situation started, I thought, "Okay, I'm going to let you hear it directly from him that he doesn't want you." And that she's been protecting him from that. Mm-hmm. How did you take yeah, it? That's how I took it. Because mm. she she sat there and she had tears in her eyes as she watched him talk. And I think my note was something like, she's waiting because she knows her son is about to get his heart broken. Mm. And so she was waiting so that she could be there for him when he got off the phone. And then she tried, but he wouldn't let her. Yeah. Um, but she's... I mean, that's exactly how I read it. Because she, she decided... I mean... It, it's a no-win situation. Mm. Like she could, she could have been continued to be the bad guy and and kept Gary, like angry at her. But he's already so angry that that wasn't going to do anything. And so I think she had to make that decision. It's time for me to stop protecting him and to let him try and see what happens, mm. even though she knew what was going to happen. Yeah, and it, it she handles it so well. The whole thing, terrific. Terrific. It's great. Great story. It is a great story. Uh, do we want to touch on Larry at all? No, because Larry's an asshole. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really good to give us this the, the full picture of the different types of people they are who care about children and the different types of people you get within a family. Because Larry and his dad are very, very similar people. So you can sort of see that coming there. But oh, it's just that the whole thing is very frustrating and hard to watch. It was hard to watch. It was, it was heartbreaking at the end um, when he decides to leave. Like, yeah. I, I knew he was going to do it, but I was hoping that, you know, like his dad is giving him every, every possible out. 
you know, he's like, I am going to pay this bill for you. They're not going to kill you. I just need you to like settle down and actually be responsible. But I'm going to pay this for you. You don't have to worry about it. You're going to be taken care of. And almost instantly, Larry's like, well, but what about this other thing? And he doesn't even consider his son yeah. at all. Like his his son is – I don't even know that he considered his son at, at all until his dad brought it up. Yeah. Um, like I think he forgot he existed. And I just don't have time for people like that. Okay. So let's ignore Larry. It's okay. it's good because otherwise the film might be lacking a little bit of edge. You might have to spend too much time on other characters. So it's it is like I say, it's a nice uh comparison. But there was a lot going on elsewhere. Yeah. Well, it was also nice though to see how quickly he was willing to take in cool. Yeah. Um, because you've also seen him be really, really gruff with all of his kids and, and he had that whole conversation with Gil about, you know, well, I know you think I was a shitty father or blah, 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 blah. But then he is just so quick to take care of this little boy and not leave him mm. like just floundering out there. Yeah. And and I thought that was nice. I thought it was really interesting, the relationship with his wife, because they did not seem to get on at all. And I felt like there was more story to that than we were being shown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then weirdly, at the end, they looked very happy together <laughs> when everybody was at the hospital. Yeah. Like, because they showed them smiling and, like, they were kissing and it just seemed very different from the d- dynamic they had had in the whole rest of the movie. As he's handing out cigars and taking down the no smoking side. Yes. <laughs> that wouldn't go down in Grace Lone Memorial Hospital, would it? No, no, oh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so I think we finally come to Gil, to Steve Martin yeah. and, and the, the core Buckman family. Um, again, a, a number of things going on, but particularly it's about Gil himself, his relationship with his wife, and Kevin. Yeah, um, because they have three kids at this point, and I don't even know what the girl's name was. Uh, Taylor. Yeah, it almost, calling the, calling her Taylor, it, I wonder if that was just an open casting of could be boy, could be girl, we don't mind. Possibly, mm. yeah. Any thoughts on the family? Any of that situation that that you enjoyed, didn't enjoy, that gave you pause or question? No, I I enjoyed every aspect of their family because I think even when they were fighting, they were fighting out of love, and it was, it just it felt very real to me. Mm. And they tried their hardest to be good parents, and they really wanted what was best for Kevin, and they were trying to figure out how to do that and to help him while also. Like like he said, he he didn't want there to be a stigma associated with Kevin going to a special ed school. And so they were trying to take care of it themselves. And, and I thought that everything they did was in the best interest of the family. And that's what I want to see when I see a good family drama. I want to see exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. People at least trying to do the good thing, but they each have their own wants that pull in different directions. That's the normal mm-hmm. way it's written, and it's done very well here. Mm-hmm. Do you do you think they're right to try and keep him out of the special ed school? I don't know. Okay, cool. <laughs> Good it, chat. It's hard to say. I, yeah, <laughs> I I understand why they would want to, but the movie didn't give us enough information about what his issues actually were, like. Is he just a really sensitive child who needs to kind of learn some coping mechanisms through therapy? Mm-hmm. Or is there actually something deeper going on and he really needs, like, there are, like, deep-seated behavioral issues that need to be addressed. Mm. Um, and we just don't know. They didn't tell us. No. And I don't even think they know because all they know is that he cries a lot and then like a psychologist had been observing their son without their permission for a while. Yeah, that's a bit weird. <laughs> that was a bit weird. Um, and, and and so I just don't think we have enough information. And I don't think we were intended to. I think it was just kind of supposed to be this generic thing. Mm. Um, just to have conflict in a family about a child. Yeah. It's interesting. There, there's a number of Steve Martin films that, that have that kind of baseball and little league thing. So I wonder if he played it a lot when he was a boy and has these memories. So... Or if it, oh, or if it just happens, dance that he ends up in films that feature it. I mean, I say several. Well, I can think of two. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I also think Little League was a much bigger deal in the late '80s, early '90s than it is now. Okay, 
And I, I honestly, I could be completely wrong about that because I don't have kids. And so I don't really know what kids are doing these days and what's important. Um, but my understanding of the world is that kids don't go outside anymore because they play video yeah, games. Little so Snapchat who's playing League, Little League? Right? Yeah. <laughs> so Little League was like a, a huge thing. And so that's something that I expect in a family drama is that they would somehow be participating in Little League. Okay. Although I don't think the father always has to be the coach. Like, he tends to be in movies. Yeah. Yeah, it's an e- easy plot, isn't it? It is. Okay. It's a good film. It is a good yeah. film. We're kind of gushing we at are. this point. Well, okay, so I, I want to ask you about your favorite moments, but I think actually the favorite moments is a discussion of Kevin's birthday party scene in the middle. <laughs> yes. Because... <laughs> It, it's a pretty incredible set piece. There is a lot going on. There's there's a lot of characters there. I'm not sure you'd necessarily mm-hmm. have all of the children and all of the adults, but fine, they do in this situation. And there's just so much detail and big stuff that goes on. So I, I, I can see you've got a couple of things that you particularly enjoyed from it. Mm-hmm. Cowboy Gill was hands down the best part of this movie. Yeah. I mean, and that's... The bar for this movie is really high, and so just to put Cowboy Gill up there, mm. it it was fantastic. And for him to pull it off, my expectation was that it was going to be a disaster because he couldn't get Cowboy Dan, who Kevin really wanted. And so Kevin's having a meltdown. Everybody's making fun of him. And I was like, oh, my God, there is no way this can go well. Mm. Like, it just isn't possible. But then it did. And it was amazing. Yeah. Like, there was nothing about it that wasn't amazing. The the detail when he turns up of the pizza cutters as spurs and the rug. The bathroom rug yeah. that's been cut in half. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's so good. And the, the tiny little hat that I think was what Justin was wearing in the beginning. Uh-huh. Oh, it's yeah. so good. I mean, he did what a dad is supposed to do. He stepped mm. up. He didn't care how ridiculous he looked. He was trying to make his kid happy. Yeah. And because Steve Martin is Steve Martin, you know, he could pull off the comedy of it. Mm. Like, most regular dads would not have been able to do this. Um, I was waiting for him to not be able to blow up the balloons, let alone make balloon Mm. animals. They are not easy to blow up, so... They are not, and he just, like, did it. (laughs) Like, one breath, that thing blew up. Um, So, yeah, they completely subverted all of my expectations with that scene. Mm. And it, it really made it the highlight of the movie. For for me, even in the build up to that, there's so many small details that I just go, "Okay, that's awesome. Oh, that's really good. That's really funny." Like the mm-hmm. the, the well made pinata that no one can break open, and, <laughs> and this film is basically my only experience of pinatas. <laughs> like this is what yeah. I expect them to be like. This is the only movie I've ever seen a pinata like this in. Okay, <laughs> have you ever had one? Would you expect them to break after a few hits? What's the deal? I've never had one, but yes, they sh- they should break um, after, you know, maybe not one or two, but after a couple of kids have whacked it, okay. it should start to break. Right. And it just ends up with him taking a saw to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, it was funny. It was a nice little montage there. Mm. Uh, like I said, I love the, the bit with the thumb, the, the thumb trick, <laughs> and then Patty's reaction to it, because she doesn't know it's a trick, because she's a very small girl. But I love yeah. that she runs and hides behind her dad. and We've obviously had this bit of antagonization between their two parenting styles. And you just have Rick Moranis looking with a sort of shit-eating grin and a big thumbs up. Like, well done. That's superb work. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's a little bit of an asshole. <laughs> and, and I don't know why, but I loved the giant tub of M&Ms that Mary Steenburgen walks out with at one point. Like, it's a huge tub. And I just sat there going, I really want some M&M's now. So, <laughs> you know, product placement works. <laughs> it does. It really does. There, were, That was a lot of M&M's. But there were a lot of people, a lot of kids mm. at this party. A lot. But uh, finally, you know how every so often I've mentioned things that, like, have become family mythos or things that my family do based on movies? Mm-hmm. Someone doing a balloon animal anywhere near my family my dad myself one of us will go it's your lower intestine oh i love that <laughs> that's so good and, and great like kids will enjoy that that is a funny sort of thing to do yeah that mm. is hilarious like that whole story that he did like I, this is how little i know about 
age appropriateness. I'm sitting here listening to him tell this story about, you know, Cap- Cowboy Dan's guts are everywhere <laughs> and he's like slipping in them. And I'm like, why are you telling this story to a bunch of nine year olds? Oh my God. And they're all just laughing and cheering. Yeah. yeah I clearly know nothing about children. <laughs> Oh, even lower intestine. That's fantastic. Um, outside of the party, was there anything that you would say is a favorite, a great moment, something you loved? I think Gil's best parenting moment that was serious was when he was talking to Kevin about going to play second base. And he says, what you catch, you catch. And what you miss, you miss. Aww. You know, he put no pressure on him whatsoever yeah. and just wanted him to have fun. And that is how you parent Mm. as a coach. Like, that is how you do that. And it didn't really work. I mean, Kevin didn't catch it, and he ended up upset. Why did you make me play the second base, blah, blah, blah. But he tried, and he tried so hard. Well, And that's the moment where he does start daydreaming about his son ending up valedictorian at college. And and then, when it all goes wrong, daydreaming about him shooting up the college. Which, I don't think you do that anymore. I'm not sure you do that scene. Yeah, like that scene, my my whole reaction to that scene was, yikes. Mm. That is definitely not something that you would yeah. do now. Uh, you know, you mentioned about uh, Steve Martin's looks the same all through his life. It, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of interesting because it opens up with him saying, oh, I'm 35 now. I'm father to three children and so on. He's actually like 44 at this point. And then when it... When yeah, it, he definitely is not 35. Yeah, when it goes forward and he... He's presumably, what, about another 12 years older at the valedictorian speech? Oh, yeah. But they've got him, you know, <laughs> looking much older, looking like a, a almost like a proper old man. It's, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure they quite it hitched him right. Yeah. But he's also very good for the role. I don't think it's a problem that he's not as young as he says he is, but I also wouldn't have had an issue had he said, I'm 40. Well, he didn't even need to say his age. No, true. He's just been like, I'm a parent now. Yeah. Um, so the last thing that I really, really, really liked, and I've kind of talked about this a little bit, is Helen mm. and how how she overcame her excessive dislike of Todd. <laughs> that Todd. <laughs> <laughs> that Todd. Yeah. And like actually took him into her home because they got married. Like she as soon as they got married and she realized this this was an actual thing for her daughter, that that it was gonna happen whether she was there or not. She decided to support them. Mm. She took Todd in. She asked him, do you want me to make you breakfast before I leave? And he's just like, no, blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and she completely rooted for their marriage. You know, when she found out that, that Julie was going to have a baby, she was freaked. And she was like, oh, my God, I'm too young for this. But she was still supportive. Mm. You know, and, and she did say things like she said to Gary, I give it six months. <laughs> yeah. Eh. But she would never do that to Julie's face because she's trying – to be as supportive as possible, even though at the beginning, like she was completely against them being together. And so for her to show that level of maturity and just love for her daughter, I really enjoyed. Yeah. It's I thought it was really nice. It's good solid parenting. And and like when she knows that someone needs to speak to Gary about sex and, and give him some sort of sex education and she gets over her whatever feelings about Todd and she's like, is this someone you can talk to? You know, whatever it takes mm-hmm. to help my son, that's what we're gonna do. Yeah. Mm, terrific. What about you? Was there was there anything else that, that was really awesome for you besides Cowboy Gill and the party and the M&Ms? <laughs> the M&Ms were pretty good. There's there's a couple of bits that I really enjoy. I mean, Grandma's wonderful through this. Um, it's the, the, yes. the actress is 100 at this point. It's the last film she made before she passed away. And she is really good because she gets a few sort of funny moments in the way you do old people having anachronistic sort of lines that don't really fit in but are quite good but she is a bit silly as well and she just sort of kind of goes mm-hmm. along with things she just you know i i like being with my family so whichever house you want to put me in it's fine <laughs> <laughs> oh my, i think my favorite line of hers was after the uh battery powered device came out <laughs> and, and and one of the kids asked what it was and and steve martin said it was an electric ear cleaner the kid says it was kind of big and grandma said it sure was <laughs> <laughs> oh i was cracking up now okay let's get into this do you think she's commenting on the size of the device or yes. because she also <laughs> thinks it's near cleaner because 
Oh, no. I think she yeah. knew exactly okay. what it was. <laughs> because she had a big old grin on her face when she said that. <laughs> Terrific. I, I liked uh, Diane Weiss talking about, oh, uh, Gary's biology teacher asked me out. But Mary Steenburgen's reply is, biology? That's promising. <laughs> so, like, working your way up the school, well done. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> it was... It was a good movie. The The moment that I love that I think is really sort of captures family is when Larry comes in and you've got the, the dad being really excited to see him and the, the kids are excited. Oh, it's someone new. Let's see what's going on. But the siblings are all just, oh, Lord, it's him. And they're, yeah. you know, girding themselves for the problems that are about to arise because they know what trouble he is. And, mm-hmm. and he's weird and creepy at them when he comes in. So they're mm-hmm. completely right to do it, but you know, Steve Martin says to his son, you know, don't give him any money. And then he says to Rick Moranis' character, he's something like, keep Patty away from him. He will suck the intelligence out of her. Like, there, there yes. is history there, and we are allowed to know it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is definitely not a favorite in the family. But yeah, just seeing them getting together, they all end up standing together in the background. And they're not impressed at this person turning up. Out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Great. It does family so well. It's really good. Is there anything else that we need to discuss about parenthood? Because we've kind of yeah. been talking about it for a while. So after this film happens and we see everyone in the film is having a baby, what do you think the future holds for any of these characters? Goodness, that's that's a tough one. <laughs> I think that mostly life is going to go on as it already has. Right. You know, I mean... People just don't change that much. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Susan and Nathan are still going to struggle raising children. I think, I hope that Larry decides to, like, become a grown-up and responsible and come home and take care of his own child. Not going to happen, but I hope it does. And I think everybody else is just going to continue to live life. I, I don't know that... Oh, I hope Julie and Todd make it. They made it long <laughs> enough to have the baby. Yeah, true. You know, yeah. so clearly we're past six months at this point. Yeah, I think that's where I am on okay. this. I, I, I just... I, I'm not hopeful that, that Kevin is suddenly a well-adjusted child. Hopefully he gets there, but I, I don't know. Yeah, you suspect he needs a, a change. So whether that is a new school or going off to college or something, something to... Reinvent himself. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts? I kind of hope that, like, Cool is now living in LA and podcasting and tweeting. Because there's people of about <laughs> that age that I follow and, like, retweet stuff from. So I'm hoping it's basically one of them. Okay. <laughs> okay. That, I like it. Mm. All right. Well, we did have some feedback from our uh, recent episode on Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which is, of course, Keanu Reeves doing a very similar character as Todd. Todd and Ted. <laughs> You're the same, right? Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, our friend Steve at Zinkstoat on Twitter said, For gender-swapped Bill and Ted, Harley Quinn Smith and Lily Rose Depp make a strong case in Kevin Smith's yoga hosers. I don't have much to say about that because I know that Harley Quinn Smith is Kevin Smith's daughter and Lily Rose Depp is Johnny Depp's daughter, but I don't know anything else about them. I've not seen that. The stuff I've seen Harley Quinn Smith in, yeah, I can see it. Hmm. I'm just old. I don't know who these people are. She was in an episode of Supergirl a while back. In fact, she was in Kevin Smith's episode of Supergirl. I did know that. I just don't remember what she played. And then I could not tell you what she looked like. uh, This is not a spoiler, but in the recent season, he directed another episode that I think he even wrote. And it basically had Jay and Silent Bob in it. Nice. Yeah, it was really good. Okay. (laughs) All right. We we also had a comment from Andrew Polring. He said, I thoroughly enjoyed this one, especially your speculations on some of the trends and tropes and what they might have meant at the time. On military schools, I feel like it was part of a larger trope of the tough dad who wanted to send the lazy, misbehaving boy away to military school to make a man out of you. Mr. I'll I remember- make a man out of you. <laughs> Uh, That's what I was thinking, too. Uh, He continues, also, I remember lots of New York Times ads in the 80s for private military schools for wayward boys. On the way Bill and Ted talk, 
I don't know if they were reflecting or initiating a minor trend among stoner teens for talking in a faux-eloquent way, but it definitely was a thing for a while. My favorite bit was Joan of Arc, aka Miss of Arc, doing insane jazzercise in the mall. I think it was kind of a reference to the 80s trend of female empowerment through working out, Jane Fonda's workout, and the like. I definitely enjoyed Joan of Arc doing insane jazzercise in the mall. Yeah, yeah, they brought that back nicely for the presentation at the end. They mm. did, for sure. And we heard from Jen at Generosity, listening to us talk about the threat of military school in movies and TV. Pretty sure I grew up with boys who were threatened with that kind of thing. I have a friend who did cadets, army boy scouts, to shape him up. Yeah. Because he'd better shape up. It... <laughs> <laughs> shape up or ship out. Yeah. yeah, so maybe it was a thing. Yeah. Maybe it's a US thing. Oh no, Jen's Canadian, so maybe. Because we were, like, I had a lot of friends who did cadets and cadet scouts, but it was just a, a normal thing. It wasn't a forced or punishment or anything like that. It was just mm-hmm. some people carried on from scouts, so. Yeah, it was definitely used as a punishment in the 80s and probably early 90s. It's very strange. All right. Well, if you would like to join the conversation, you can use the hashtag PC Deprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing. You can also email us at podcast at eloquentgushing.com. You can find us both on Twitter. I'm at Mandy Kay. And I'm at Matthew Vose. We are 100% funded by listeners through our Patreon page. Anything you can give gives access to exclusive content and helps to support the network and develop other shows. If you want to find out more, visit patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. And don't forget to uh, check out the homepage, eloquentgushing.com, where you can find uh, other shows that we do for the network. You can find our back catalogue and you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter for the latest news and announcements. We'll be back next week with another episode of Pop Culturally Deprived, where we'll talk about Blazing Saddles with Caitlin from the A Command of Her Own podcast. Until next time, I'm Mandy Kay. And as far as I'm concerned, your grandma's brilliant. Pop Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, visit eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at Eloquent Gushing.